And that is completely free. Thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash DLC pod. They're bringing the show to you and you could be one of them. Why not check it out? Check out all the cool perks. You can get ad free episodes, bonus content, like access to the video on demand of the show. You can get an entire bonus show called paid DLC and so much more. Check it out. Patreon.com slash DLC pod. And DLC, of course, is the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Canada, the spell with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who's got that sweet merch up on the store. What? We got a merch store? It's Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. We do. Eight plus years later, um, we have we have merch up. Link will be in the show notes. You can also find it over on the subreddit. I'll have a link up on the Reddit as well. You can also say dlcpod.creator-spring.com. Not, not easy. Yes. You can find the link other places, but I can say it. Maybe people you can, can figure it. it out. dlcpod.creator-spring.com. I could also say, uh, Jeff, we have a great show, but I need to say this up top. I need to apologize to everyone last week uh, listening to this show and paid DLC in their car who thought their fan belt was squeaking. Mm. Um, I was away from home. I was recording at a, a, a beach house. Uh, friends and myself, our, my family had rented, and I didn't have my monitor, and so I didn't hear. I wasn't aware of it. Uh, then I listened back to it, and it's definitely crickets, but the story gets even better. Because while you know this, I didn't know it at the time. I since texted you, though. It ended up being that we had rented the, a beach house of a fairly famous actor. None of us knew this at the time. But then one of the neighbors ratted it out because it went like the rental didn't go through this, this person. But, dear listeners, those were very famous actors crickets you heard last episode. <laughs> <laughs> this actor no longer lives in LA. They don't spend a lot of their time here, which I imagine is why they are now renting out their beach house because in this economy, we're all trying to make an extra buck. But those were famous crickets, everybody. So I don't feel quite as bad. Well, you say, oh, I didn't have the monitor. I didn't know. But even if you had the monitor and did know, you wouldn't have been able to do anything. What are you going to go around with a with a bag and try to catch the crickets? No. <laughs> I, I maybe would have tried to find a different spot. But you're right. I mean, after doing shows for years at Meltdown Comics in L.A., once a cricket, always a cricket. You can never get rid of the cricket. Yeah. Well, we <laughs> apologize for the crickets. Hopefully this week you won't have any weird noises. But you never know. There is actually some Spice Man coming later, so (laughs) don't get too comfortable in your ears, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, we got a lot to talk about this week. There is uh, tons of big news. The death knell for E3. We might have the last hype train bumper of all time. You never know. We're going to get to all of it, plus great games to talk about. And you know what? We have an awesome guest to do all of that with. You know, the DLC always stands 
for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh man, I'm excited because DLC stands for Denim's Largest Compartment. Because we have the host of Back Pocket and the co-founder of Low Key, Nick Richardson is back with us. Hey, Nick. Oh my goodness. Outdone. Outshone. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> I, 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 now, I should be ashamed because uh, I, when you started with denim, I was like, where is he going? I wasn't told to wear denim. Does he think I'm wearing something that I'm not? I'm wearing an Avatar t-shirt and nothing below the waist. Uh, but uh, but you, you brought it home. Thank you very much, Jeff. Christian, well, a delight to be back. It's wonderful to have you. It's been way too long since you've been on. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I have to admit... There was a, a, a period of time there when I was trying to make derriere the first word. Mm. But I felt like derriere's large compartment just, just had the wrong connotation. So we went with denim. We went with denim. Uh, good. good. <laughs> I think everyone's happier about that. Yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> No transition. Uh, a, ple- a pleasure to be back. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> like like always, huge fan of the show. Uh, and it only took uh, two years of incredibly subtle references on Twitter for me constantly to be invited back. So I, I, well, I'm very happy. We will well, not let fair, that happen we, we know We know how uh, your part of the world and our part of the world were handling COVID very differently. So we weren't even sure if we could <laughs> do this. You know, we weren't even sure if this podcast yeah, would be you allowed two us, years ago. Our That's airwaves true. touch your airwaves. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, don't worry. We've got we've got plenty of our own disasters over here that uh, that we'll send your way as well. So it it just evens out in the wash. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, we're excited to have you, and uh, let's jump in and start the show the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. That's where you send any kind of email, actually. We love hearing from you. If you want to tell us what you think about the show or have some opinions about games, whatever it is, dlcfeedback at gmail.com is where you get a hold of us, and we love it. Also, you can join one of our two communities. One is on Discord at 5x5DLC on Discord. Uh, the other is on Reddit. You can find our subreddit at 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Cool folks hanging out in both those places. So urge you to take part. But Nick, you are our guest. So you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Yeah, look, I mean, you hinted at it at the top of the show. I don't think it's necessarily the story of the week. It's the story of the last couple of years. It's the slowest Mm. story of all time. Uh, But it it seems like, uh, well, it it is that E3 2022 is officially cancelled. But this this is just the latest in a long line of slow Tom Brady-esque retiring uh, (laughs) of E3 to finally yeah. get us to when the thing falls over altogether. Uh, it, it was supposed to be a digital-only digital event this year after cancelling the in-person event that they had in January. The digital version uh, is now gone as well. Uh, they are saying, the ESA, that they're planning on coming back with a new revitalized format next year. But it's... Look, when you have, when you have Jeff Keighley... On your grinning neck. from ear to ear, <laughs> yeah, just with with a, a pillow over your face. Uh, <laughs> you you do not take like uh, like you know we've all, we've all worked in entertainment for years, right? And there's like that old adage that you you never let someone else play your role. Like never take a day off 
so someone else could come in and do your thing better. And that's what E3 is doing. They're just going like, oh, we'll be back next year. In, but you know what, Jeff, put on the best show this year you possibly can and then somehow we'll manage to get the goodwill back. I don't think that's going to happen. I also I feel like uh, E3 is less taking a year off and more like tore their ACL, stood up, tore their other MCL, stood <laughs> up, you know, got hit by a car. Like, I don't I don't think they're. They put out a press release where they're like, we're going to be dunking next year. Wait out for those sick dunks. Our ACL is yeah. going to be healed up and we're going to be dunking hard. Yeah. And IGN has their whatever their, like, I think it was like on their headline banner. It was like the, the banner for IGN was like, no E3 this year. And then like the one right next to it is like, IGN summer game still happening. And it's, you know, it's like literally like pillow up, pillow back down. <laughs> yeah. It does. It does feel like, you know, uh, she doth protest too much. You know, with the whole like we're we're totally coming back next year, everybody. Mm. But like in January, it was like we're totally having the digital version, everybody. Don't worry about it. And uh, this just does feel like that. You know, that part of the movie where the bad guy keeps getting up and they just having to keep knocking its head and then it keeps (laughs) falling down. And and normally it would be something that you know, like I love E three as an idea of that sort of, I think that we've seen more and more over the last few years of developers and publishers doing their own thing spread out, but there's still something, you know, that I think we have all loved about video game Christmas sure. in the middle of the year. It's an interesting story though, because it's kind of like E3 is getting canceled, but there's just something else that's there in its place already. So it's kind of like, all we're, all we're really mourning here is a letter and a number. That's really the only <laughs> sadness is a, is the word E3. And really, in spirit, it will live on in probably a better show. And Keeley probably has the opportunity, if he nails it over the next couple of years, to be able to do, you know, he could do the big in-person event style show floor thing if you really wanted to, if that's a path that he wants to go down. But um, it's more the, it's more the death of E3 and the Ascension as, as Jeff Keeley has been the owner of video games like he is ceo yeah. of gaming quick note just because we've said it a few times now and i don't know if you guys got the email but it's actually not pronounced keely it's jeff kill e3 um, <laughs> how you say it now so he's the only person with a leet speak last name um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and it's, it's it's perfect you know finally that's what i do miss though nick will be the show floor which of course covid has you know, made us miss for the last several years anyway. But that to me, and maybe PAX or I know some folks went to GDC this year. Maybe there are other in-person events I can recapture that feeling. But I loved the random show floor and running into friends and then getting pulled mm. into, um, you know, Counter Spies, the example I always give. I love that game. I have the soundtrack on vinyl. Um, and it was just a happenstance that I saw it at E3 in a show floor. And I, I, I will always miss that. And I hope that something comes back and does it better. The ESA, I don't know about you, Jeff, but I am in no way like partial to the ESA. Like I have my tattoo, no. sure, but you know, <laughs> who does it? <laughs> but that, no, that's I just going to be scr- scratched out and become why no. That's what that tattoo is going to become. <laughs> I mean, I, I cared about the ESA enough to send them all my personal information so that they could share it with the world. Mm. But uh, other than that, I have no love loss in particular with the ESA. Um, and I, you know, I think, I think it's going to be a real uphill battle to ever have any kind of in-person event at E3. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm overstating it, but it just feels like it makes no financial sense from anybody's perspective to do that anymore. 
And you've got this Summer Games Fest. You've got the thing that the companies want, which is eyeballs at a specific time uh, for everybody to get excited and kind of, you know, for the the games that need coattails to ride, to be able to ride those coattails and the big games to be make a big splash and have, you know, major media outlets focused on them in, in a major way. I, I, I don't think from their perspective there's really any reason to gather people in a place and pay for floor space and travel and all of the the stuff that's required to do an in-person event. I just don't feel like Keeley's probably going to push for that and and publishers are going to push for that anymore. It just doesn't feel like ne- it's needed, you know? Yeah, it's uh, it, there it's hard because you could look at it as being a really efficient way of getting your message out and your game out and getting a bunch of eyeballs on it. But the flip side of that, it was also very inefficient because there's just so much stuff competing for attention the whole time. And that you go, you've got three days to cram all this stuff in to file as many stories as possible. If your game is not like, if your game looks slightly like another game there, then you may as well just forget it because it's like, oh, you've all just sort of like washed into one in my mind. So yeah, yeah, yeah maybe, maybe, maybe the future will be more the sort of like community stuff, like packs. As I being think the so. I mean, I think that's the that's the way to stuff. directly talk to the customer. You know. Then again, to to argue against my own argument, if I'm Jeff Keeley and I look at ESA charging like a, a cool million for floor space for some of these companies, I'm like, I'm one guy, and I could. I could command that kind of price tag. Totally. Even at half that rate, I'm, uh, I'm sitting pretty. So who knows what the future brings? But certainly, um, I think we all, it's only right that we pour one out and play for perhaps the last time our incredible Sean Madigan-created E3 bumper that lived for eight glorious years. Uh, the last two... Uh, not you know not very powerfully but for the first six really very very intensely so here it is one last time and there it goes off I- that final tunnel the train <laughs> I mean, th- there's an easy fix, and it's just Killy Hype Train, <laughs> and like it's the same You're tune, right. it's the same, it's the same rhythm, everything. No, but next, see, next this summer when we reintroduce it, and it's Keely, we're going to reintroduce it as a brand new song. Of course, <laughs> sorry, yeah, Sean needs to do the work. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right, well, farewell, E3, Christian. What is your story of the week? Well, Jeff, you mentioned no one can predict the future, um, except one of us can, and that's Spystradamus. And Mm. I'll just say, this isn't a story, you don't need to spend time on it, but as I predicted in our prediction show, Fortnite introduced a major new mode. No build mode is here to stay. It's They brought building back, but no build is here. You're really clinging on to that prediction, huh? You really... uh... I'm just going to lay that out there. Also, 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 we have interview confirmation, granted with that asterisk, th- things change quickly, but no first-party AAA games, day and date, on, what's the name again? Yes, Plow. Well, it depends what tier you pick. Is it the $150 <laughs> tier? Is it the $5? Like, there's extra plus Premier, Premier Plus, Plus Plus Premier League, European Championship League, NWSL. It depends on, there's tons of, what I'm talking about, uh, Jeff, is 
PS plus extra. <laughs> PS plus plus. PS plus premiere. Whiffed on the name. Plus it's premium. sitting right there, Christian. <laughs> it's sitting right there. How do you riff so hard on the name? Well, your prediction was wrong. Mine was right. Let's just leave it at that. I and think not we all anything know it, about Zelda. We all know that it was right. Yeah, the subtext <laughs> is that it's called PS Plus. Uh, you know, <laughs> it, I think they went through the same thing though, where you were like derriere, big pocket, <laughs> and they're like, I don't think we could call our gaming service like PS. We screwed you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair point. Fair point. Fair point. <laughs> so to get the news, the PS Plow, the plowification has happened, <laughs> and. Uh, the plowing. <laughs> yes, the great plowing has happened, and it is a combination of PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now, and it is PlayStation. The real name, mm. PS Plus Essentials, PS Plus Extra, PS Plus Premium, and they are three different. The ser- they roll off, rolls the off the tongue. Yeah, and the best part is the price also just rolls off the tongue in a way that directly competes with Game Pass. PS Plus Essentials is $9.99 a month. PS Plus Extra, which PS Plus Essentials, let's just say also, is, is just PS Plus. It's it's what you had. You need it to play multiplayer. It's essential. And they give you, and they give you very old bad games as part of the service now. <laughs> um, some good games, but very old. PS Plus Extra includes all of that, and it is now also uh, $14.99 a month. And it gives you uh, PS4 and PS5 games that can be downloaded to your console. Um, and they tout some marquee games. But again, they said not day and date uh, their first party games right now. And then PS Plus Premium includes all of that, all of that other stuff. And it will be $17.99 a month. And it also then includes streaming of classic games, PS1, PS2, PSP. No PS Vita, I would imagine, because Back Touch complicates that. And also PS3 and PS4 game streaming. Um, there's a lot to unpack here, fellas. So I will let you do some of the unpacking because I already feel like I've talked too much about it. I will just say, feels expensive. Well, you know, choice isn't a bad thing. Uh, it does feel complicated. And honestly, if the goal was to compete with Game Pass, doesn't feel like it does that to me. It's a, it's a, it, it remains a completely different thing, which is fine because that thing I'm sure is valuable, valuable to people. Uh, essential really is essential, uh, in the sense that you need it to play multiplayer games. Mm-hmm. So you gotta, I mean, those of us like myself who are playing, paying for PS plus to be able to play online with, with people, you know, you're still doing that. I, I don't know if the, extra stuff at the higher tiers is particularly attractive to me personally. I Um, I got it wrong. It looks like some of those older retro games and it's pointed out in chat by Epic open world. And I believe it's correct. Like those older games at that PS plus premium tier are downloadable. um, Right. Yes. Not just streaming just PS three because nothing can do PS (laughs) three. We will be able to download or stream the retro games as part of the premium package uh, sony noted. Yeah. uh and there was an actually a um an interview with um uh jim ryan the the ceo of of playstation uh with uh, gi.biz 
who said, uh, phrasing it very weirdly. I don't know if there's just like a translation. Th- I don't know. I mean, he, he's, speaks English. So I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I, don't know I don't know if this is like a, you know, literally. But it's it's, it's the just, King's English. So it's, <laughs> yeah, well, it's a bit it does different. sound like that. We, he says, we feel like we are in a ger- good, virtuous cycle with the studios where the investment delivers success, which enables yet more investment, which delivers yet more success. I think we he's like actually reading cycle. an Elden Ring side quest uh, <laughs> description. Finger butthole. <laughs> we like that cycle and we think our gamers like that cycle. Yes, gamers love that cycle where you pay them money and they make use your money to make more games. I guess that's... And to be successful. Yes. Uh, I love when other companies are successful. That's what I love. He, uh, Ryan does note that this is uh, this is what we're doing now. And that doesn't mean we're not going to have first party games day and day on our uh, on a service or this service at some point. But it really isn't a, a, a competitor with Game Pass in my mind because that's why I love Game Pass. Nick, what is your take on this new uh, suite of services? Uh, well, first of all, I don't want to complicate this further, but for those of us living in Australia, there's a secret tier, uh, and that is the uh, PS Plus Deluxe. <clears throat> because Ooh. we do not have access to PlayStation now, so we don't get the streaming stuff. So oh the deluxe is the premium tier, but it is uh, we only get PlayStation, PS2, and PSP games to download. We get no PlayStation 3 games. So hmm. it's impossible to play a PlayStation 3 game in Australia on the PlayStation 5 using this service. Um, which is a Rosetta Stone for this thing, man. Like yeah, totally. It's totally. crazy. Uh, but, I feel uh, like oh, go ahead. Sorry, Nick. Oh no. Well, I was just going to say that we. Uh, I I recorded our um, news podcast this morning, the back podcast. So, and we were talking about this. So, sorry to give you some of my old material. Uh, <laughs> but my my first impression with this was, this is not for me because I'm not someone that generally looks back at games. I don't replay things. I don't have a huge amount of like. I don't love going down that nostalgia hole. I, I like looking forward and playing the new stuff. <clears throat> so I'm not going to get a lot of use out of this. I think it adds value to the PlayStation 5, which I think is important. I think PlayStation are in a worse position than something like Xbox, where even though Xbox isn't necessarily coming out with exclusives all the time, I think there's a there's a mentality that you could think that a game we're talking about later, like Weird West, feels like an Xbox exclusive because it's on Game Pass. You're mm. probably more likely to play it on an Xbox than something else. So it, there's a bit of cachet there. Uh, so anything that adds value to the PlayStation is good. I think it just sucks that they they sort of came out with it now. If this came out before Game Pass or when Game Pass launched, it would just be like, oh, Game Pass has evolved into this new thing, but this thing is here and it's still good. The comparison is so inevitable because we're always thinking it's PlayStation and Xbox going against each other. It's not like Nintendo's off doing their own thing. Whereas this to me is way more comparable to Nintendo's service than mm. um, they're sort of like, uh, you know, you just play old games for a small monthly fee. And that's mm-hmm. what this is. But because it's PlayStation and Xbox, I think the comparison is against Game Pass and it just, it loses hands down. Yeah, I, I, I think, think that's it, a really good point. Um, I, I think another big part of it, at least for me, is you don't know when marquee titles will be added. You know, Patient Gamers is a, a big real thing and you save a whole you know bunch of money playing games that way. I, of course, on this show, we're oftentimes talking about the newest, latest, best and what came out and our impressions and stuff like that. But there is something to be said about waiting 
I mean, for a Ubisoft game, a month, and then you'll get it at half price or whatever it ends up being, right? Like there's a cheaper way to play games and buying them new. But with this service from PlayStation, it's not like, oh, if I wait six months after mm. Ragnarok comes out, I'll get it on my service. And I think that's really smart the way Microsoft has positioned Game Pass. They've said all of our first party games are going to be day and date on the service. So you know that. So when you subscribe to it, it makes sense. Here, like Spider-Man, I think Miles Morales is part of it. Like there are some really great games that are going to be included on this service. Um, Returnal, God of War, the first one, Death Stranding, like awesome, awesome games. But it's hard to know if it's going to stay that way going forward or when they'll hit the service. I think if they can clear that up, I think it does a lot. But right now it feels like, Nick, as you mentioned, it's banking on this back catalog, kind of filling in those gaps for you along the way. I think that's a, you both have made excellent points. And, and I, I'll, I'll piggyback on what you just said, Christian, which is there's always this fun surprise as to what the PlayStation Plus or Game with Gold freebies mm. are going to be, right? But it's a surprise. And oftentimes it's a delightful surprise. And you go, oh, cool, that's a free game that, is you know people were talking about or whatever you know older games but oftentimes very very good games and oftentimes a lot of value in that but it is a surprise and part of what is so attractive about game pass is that certainty that certainty that every new thing from bethesda every new thing from uh, 343 every new every new first party microsoft game is going to be there it's going to be there. I know it. And I know when, i.e. the day it comes out. And that's really <laughs> powerful. I think that is a really powerful, that certainty, that knowing, that, that assuredness that you have, that your dollars are going to get you exactly what you expect them to get, get you. Um, and I understand that the other the other side the 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 playstation plus and the games with gold stuff it, you're not paying for those games you're paying for this other thing and those games are a bonus so it's a cool surprise bonus like a magic question box that pops out with cool things that's great but i think it's really difficult to have anything be as to me essential if you want to call it essential <laughs> game pass is essential to me because it's like it's the best value in gaming. It, 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 it checks so many boxes, Xboxes, and I recommend it to every person that can game on either a PC <clears throat> or an Xbox. Like, it's, it's just that useful. And you look at this bevy of PlayStation options, and I go, well, if you have this use case or that use case or this use case, then maybe it might be useful for you. And I, I totally, I think you're right, Nick, that it's, it really isn't even trying to compete with game pass it, it's doing something different yes i think more akin to what nintendo is doing um but it, to me it, it, this whole notion of this project spartacus as it was codenamed is going to compete is, is, is sony's answer to game pass i just don't even think that that's the case i think it's i think xbox stood up and said i am spartacus and then playstation <laughs> stood up and xbox just smacked it down <laughs> um but uh yeah. I, I, the, the one thing though <laughs> i did have a little sense of relief when this came out which was a bit weird but i was like oh i don't think i need to subscribe to this which is great because <laughs> because there is the, it, it, almost the worst thing that i think could happen is that they try to compete with xbox 
in a sense that they go after third-party titles and go, oh, this is now exclusive to Mm. scrolling up. PS Plus Premium uh, Deluxe (laughs) here at Australia. Um, And in the same way that you've got some things that are like, oh, you can play it for free on Game Pass. So I don't want an arms race of people competing over the same third-party games. And then it's like, oh, God, I need to subscribe to that this thing as well in case this thing is, like, free over there as opposed to free over here. Well, that's um, right. That's why I, I subscribe to Netflix and Hulu and Amazon exactly. Prime and, you know, HBO Max. And, like, that's that's the it, feature yeah, it was that- it was literally like remember when remember when it was just netflix and it was like this is the greatest thing in the world and then like and then uh, you know amazon prime you're like yes more options and then here in australia we got something called stan and it's like this is phenomenal and the disney come out is like hang on a second guys and then Paramount <laughs> yeah. plus is like what are we doing <laughs> yeah, slow down slow down slow down yeah exactly <laughs> um so yeah at least we're not there yet in the video game space but i also i'm i'm like you nick where i'm looking at these and i'm like well it's kind of a relief that i don't have to worry about uh, there's nothing in the premium tier that is essential to me which is why i guess i'm just the essential tier there you go. And a, a, a big question for me and, I, and playstation now i was a subscriber of and did use and it worked well but i think let me rephrase i'm curious how well the emulation of their old games is going to work so far it's been good the caveat there is the micro console they released which i know is not a playstation 5 but when the playstation 1 mini came out that thing had bad versions of some great games on it and i think for this to really hit its stride these old games are going to have to sing i have no doubt that they won't um but i'm, I'm kind of holding my breath because even nintendo uh when the n64 emulation stuff launched on Nintendo Switch on man, wire names awful now. Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pass. Um, the N64 emulation on that was bad initially. Um, so hopefully this will be better. And meanwhile, another story this week is that Microsoft is planning to add a new tier or a different tier to their Game Pass, the the family plan, which we don't really have any details about. But Nick, do you have any thoughts about? that or what you would even want it to be the idea being that it, you know it can work across multiple um multiple gamer passes so you could have your family uh, all use mm. the same account uh, we don't know exactly how it would work but what do you think of it yeah i mean it's interesting because they're saying you don't even need to be in the same general ip location you just need to be in the yeah. same country um so there's a lot of like uh, you know if i was in uni i would love to have got a few mates to go like okay we're all just gonna chuck five bucks into a prepaid credit card and we'll be able to get on this thing which is great yeah. um but it's uh yeah i think i think it's a strong move i think that uh, it's definitely not something in response to this playstation thing but i think it's no. interesting that potentially it got leaked uh, in response <laughs> and that it's basically like playstation have gone here's an expensive thing for old games uh and then the, the leak from xbox is here's a cheaper way to play new games and it's again yeah. i am spot bang down yeah quiet, <laughs> i mean you're not wrong you're not wrong that's uh yeah it's pretty cool and it just seems like um game pass is getting more and more i mean not more and more it, it, it to me it is the the service to to subscribe to and and i i think this is just an easier way potentially to do that uh christian they do it, 
Yeah. I mean, they do it with other services, Office and some of the other things. Yeah. And I think as Xbox expands to more screens, it makes more and more sense. Like my daughters are already playing a lot on Xbox, but right now we have the Series S on like the main family TV and that's where they do their their gaming. But as they get older or it pushes out more and they're playing more stuff through xCloud on their tablet and I'm also playing something, you'll have this problem of like, well, do I get them their own Game Pass account? And that's going to be more like, this needs the the rumor and what it needs to deliver on is cheaper than everybody buying their own right, right. So if you can have like my apple music subscription we have the family plan because it's cheaper and then we all have it and then the kids have theirs and i have mine and we get to do all our own playlists and we can play at the same time and i think as xbox expands to more screens and more and more people are playing in that ecosystem within a household or a good group of friends, <laughs> um, the more important it is for them to have something like this because this is how they expect you to play their games, right? Like I do want to call it one other thing that I've seen mentioned, um, I think it was on our Discord, Jeff, about like people always compare Game Pass to the Netflix of gaming. The big difference though is that Xbox does not limit their games to Game Pass, right? I think that's pretty cool and should be talked mm. about a little bit more like they put their games yeah. out on steam you can also buy them it's not just game pass it's just with game pass they are free air quote um but this family plan i think makes a lot of sense and i wouldn't be surprised to see them launch it um sooner than later the thing that i'm hoping for now that i am a very happy proud steam deck owner <laughs> I want that PC Game Pass on Steam Deck, dude. Oh, ho, ho. and supposedly there's Valve is open to it. Microsoft says they're open to it, but they just haven't done it yet. They uh, so, but I oof, if that happens, I'm gonna be very happy, very happy. Dude, I, 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 I am this close to funding a scalper's next four months of their life by buying <laughs> one of those like Q3s on eBay. I am so jealous. Oh, I want to leave this call now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to be talking about it more during uh, the, our playlist section too. Cause fantastic tra- traveling this week. Uh, all right. Uh, my story of the week though. Uh, I was told that tons of people tweeted at me, posted things, sent us messages, all of them asking for one thing and one thing only. <laughs> the full version of Jeff was right. Jeff was right and it really pisses Christian off that Jeff was right and it really pisses Christian off that Jeff was right and it was Jeff was right. Everything's delayed, including one of the biggest games of the year. We got confirmation. We got a video this week from Nintendo saying that the sequel to Breath of the Wild, which who knows what it's going to be called, uh, will not be released in 2022, has been pushed back all the way to spring 2023. So a year from now, before we'll see it, uh, this is quote to make the experience something special. Uh, we still don't know much about the game at all, but, uh, it ain't coming this year, which, you know, maybe not a surprise. Uh, Zelda games get delayed uh, every time 
And uh, these games are big and there's a commitment to quality and we all want the games to be great, clearly. But Nick, what does this do to the Switch, to holiday 2022? What's your take on one of the most anticipated games of this year not being this year? Yeah, it's... I think I think that I don't know if any of us really felt it was this year. I think we thought it was more this year than it was last year. Uh, but I I never I never really let myself believe it was this year. I'll believe it's out when I've finished it. Uh, but it, it, it I think that it leaves a huge gap towards the end of the year, which is great. Um, uh, we've I I feel like the first the first quarter of this year has been wild for video games. There have been so many good ones coming out. I, I cannot imagine what the busy season of games is going to be like as we get towards the end of the year. Um, but I think that, you know, like, again, no one wants to play a bad game. Delay it as much as you want. I wish that I, I wish we would just stop talking about video games before they're ready so that we don't need to keep doing this thing where, you know, we need another year. It's like, okay, well, you probably could have waited another year. Like, if you're game is a year away from you even thinking that it could be a year away don't talk about it um (laughs) but uh, my biggest takeaway for this was i just loved i loved the way that they announced it because it was just a it was like a short thing in that direct where uh the producer was just talking uh and said that like the entire development team is continuing to work diligently on the game uh so please wait longer and it's just (laughs) like it's just I, i love that sort of like just brutal like we're not ready, so you have to wait. And, yeah. and a lot of like, you see a lot of uh, Western studios where they're like, we failed you. I am so sorry. <laughs> I know you banked everything. You took time off to play this game and we're yeah. pathetic and we don't even deserve your love. And, and Nintendo's just like, you're going to deal with this because we know you're going to buy it. So sit. <laughs> That's, it reminds me of that line from the first Ace Ventura when Ace Ventura says, if I'm not back in 10 minutes, just wait longer. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, but it, but it is a shame. Uh, but you know it's going to be phenomenal. Uh, I think that um, uh, you know we've already got our Breath of the Wild this year in Elden Ring. So mm. give me give me an expansive game changing open world game next year, and and I'll be happy for that one. Then also hopefully hopefully unless this game is also delayed, hopefully we'll all just be spending our time playing Starfield. I'll get to focus on Starfield without having to worry about making time for another big huge Zelda game. I will say that we, uh, on Back Pocket, we have made the huge mistake of each year we run a fantasy games draft. Uh, mm. And so we are way more invested in game release dates <laughs> than just, I want to play this game. There's so much pride on the line. And uh, Gus, one of my co-hosts, he, um, he picked his Elder Breath Lord last year. When he picked it in the draft, I burst out laughing at him because I was like, there's no way it's coming out last year. Picked it again this year. It's not coming out this year. But I'm I've got my hopes on Starfield and God of War uh hitting at the end of the year, which I'm really hoping actually do hit. God of War is giving me the uh oh feeling, but but I think Starfield is is on lock. I I, I think Starfield's be, on lock. Yeah, I may be eating my words, but I, I really believe it's it's gonna it's come coming out. I think that they they did not announce that game or you know, announce a date on that game until they were really sure. We're gonna be playing that bumper again at the end of the year and everyone's gonna be happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's possible I, I almost went back but i was at a beach house and tried not to to work when i didn't need to i almost went back to listen to this year's prediction show jeff i no i think i'm wrong someone, 
Yeah, I think I'm wrong. I think you said it was this year. And so I love that everybody was tweeting at me. Jeff was right. And I was like, no, but that's what's so beautiful. That's what's so beautiful about my (laughs) prediction is that even when I'm wrong, I'm right, Christian. (laughs) Yeah, because everything's delayed. You're right. But this year you said it wouldn't be delayed. But yet somehow you're right. It's It's called uh, hedging your bets. I was going to say it's cake and eating it too, which is a, a delicious, a delicious way to do it. Um, so I'm going to make all of us put on our prediction hats again. Uh, Jeff, yeah. I will start with you. I normally it would be guest and Nick. I don't want to hear your take, but Jeff, no, I'm going to start with you. Okay. Switch to co-launch or better DLSS 4K, you know, some switch upgrade co-launching with Zelda in the spring. That's what I predicted two years ago. I know. Are you going to predict it again? I said Zelda was going to be a launch title for the next Switch. And then they came out with this, like, you know, not even really the next Switch. So maybe it'll, like, it all comes circular and Jeff was right. We'll be right again. Uh, I'm willing to, I'm willing to double down on that. I think by that point, I don't know. It, it, spring 2023 seems a little early for another version of the Switch also. But if, if the conspiracy, conspiracy theory is, if, they were working on a beefier switch and then COVID and supply chain problems made them just do the OLED switch instead. Then maybe they just backburnered that beefier version. And now that is actually a little closer to happening. I'm not sure that's accurate, but it's plausible. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, you gave, yeah, you gave neither a yes nor a no, and now you're going to punt to Nick. Well yep, played. That's how I do it. That's how I roll. <laughs> That's how we went to those prediction episodes. Um, uh, yeah, I I think that I think it's probably too early for no. Uh, so I don't think it's too early for a second switch. I think it's too late for a second switch. Mm. I think it's too early to launch a second switch when you launch the OLED. Like I got the OLED switch. The screen is phenomenal. I'm really happy I have it. But I would be disappointed if when is spring for you guys? Is spring the middle of the year? I, I never know. It's it's, it's like now, now basically it's it's like okay, April. Oh right, yeah. okay. Oh right. So yeah, so we're saying twelve months away, uh, which means that yeah, that that still feels too close to me. That I just bought a switch six months ago or whatever, and then eighteen months later, I end up dropping another four hundred bucks or whatever. Um, so. Yeah, I'm going to say no to that. I think they're just they're in a bit of a weird position at the moment. I think that they could. I think now that they have committed to this thing of we have the OLED, we could see this switch last for another two years and just fall apart like the like E3, um, <laughs> just crawl towards the finish line of the console life cycle. So I'm I'm sitting on the airplane today. We we went and, and visited my in laws for for a birthday party, and I, we flew uh, on the airplane. And I'm sitting there with my five-year-old and he is playing my Switch. And I'm watching him play Mario on the Switch. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, every major generation of Nintendo hardware has been a rethinking of what the hardware is fundamentally, right? GameCube to Wii to to Wii U, you know, there's been massive changes Mm. in the design philosophy, fundamental design philosophy of what this game system is going to do. I don't think they can do that anymore. Mm. I think they're, this is like the idea of them coming out with some new piece of hardware that doesn't do what the switch does. That isn't a handheld major console feels like, it feels impossible. I feel. I think it. I think it would feel like a loss. I think. Yes. That I think about the GameCube. I think about the Wii. I think about the Wii U and every one of those things. There is a uh, like a clear gimmick 
to the console. It actually all feels like all of Nintendo's consoles. It's like uh, t- uh, people from different universes all travel together and they're like, I've got my Nintendo console. They're like, that's what it looks like in your world. <laughs> every single one is just like, what the hell is that thing? Um, but but I, I agree that I think that, I think they've, they've peaked. The idea of, yeah. it's if it was more powerful, I mean, and it is the Steam Deck, it is the ultimate console. It is right. portable and dockable at home if there was a way that it is it can run mon games for you to stop doing that you didn't lose a gimmick you lose the entire selling point of your thing why would i have that instead of then a steam deck or a home console like that you're now nintendo generally make their own um they're sort of like marching to the beat of their own drum and not necessarily competing with other console manufacturers in the same way as the two big ones do but i do think that they're kind of at this position now where it's like your next switch is actually competing against the Steam Deck and the home and the the consoles and home PCs. So it needs to be the best, you know, amalgamation of all those things. Yeah, yeah. I think that, I think they've backed themselves into a corner. Or you know, you look at it like you said, they peak. They, it was all leading up to this, and now they just make more powerful ones of these. Uh, but there's something yeah. also that feels. I don't know, not sad, but just uh, interesting to note that how they they were the ones that had the biggest, I think, iterative changes. And now I just don't think they can. I think they can probably do that with peripherals, right? You can mm. make w- wacky peripherals for this for the your next switch like device. But beyond this, like I, you, you got to keep making these unless you go back to making some sort of DS handheld and, and br- branch them back off from each other. But. It doesn't seem possible. That's so, so true. I hadn't even thought about the fact that we've lost, we've lost years of uh, in the future. Going, remember when this is how we used to play video games? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just gone because like everyone else is just like how 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 much smaller can we make our box but still keep it as powerful as everyone else's box? And Nintendo is not going to be like prototyping a console that's controlled by urine streams. Like that's just not a thing <laughs> they're going to be doing anymore. That's a shame. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. On that note, uh, <laughs> let's talk about the games that we have been playing. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, Squarespace. Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Why not? Why not stand out with a beautiful website? Engage your audience. Sell anything, your products, your, the content you create, even your time. Squarespace is the place. I always recommend Squarespace to my friends and family. Anybody that's, that's building a website, you should use Squarespace. But anybody that's selling anything or creating anything, Squarespace makes it easy for creators to monetize their content and their expertise in a way that fits their brand. You have member areas where you can unlock new revenue streams for your business and free up your time in your schedule by selling access to gated content like videos, online courses, or newsletter, newsletters, or nude letters. I don't know. What, I don't know what you're selling, whatever you're selling. Uh, and hey, you can even create your videos right in their pro-level video studio. The Squarespace Video Studio app helps you make and share engaging videos to tell your story, grow your audience, and drive sales. You have, do you want to sell stuff in an online store? Yeah. So whether you're selling physical or digital products, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. 
simultaneous posting. Squarespace has that too. You can authenticate your social profiles, letting you auto post your content to Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, anything. All post entries and images are optimized and tagged properly so that descriptions and titles will be correctly referenced. It's the one-stop place for creators. If you are a creator, if you have any reason to make a website, head over to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use our offer code Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, which is all one word. You'll save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Great place to just buy a domain, even if you uh, just need to secure a domain for your online presence. Uh, we got uh, dlcpod.com on Squarespace. We, it's not uh, active yet, but it will be. It's going to be the new home for this uh, this year podcast. So uh, it, it was so easy to use their their front end to buy our, our new... Uh, URL, you can find all kinds of extensions. They suggest things for you. It's great. And again, you get 10% off if you use our promo code Jeff sent me when you go to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. All right. Let's talk about the games that we've been playing in a segment we call the playlist. Nick, what have you been playing? Try that again. Nick, what have you been playing this week? I have been playing a couple of games uh, that, you know, when you just find one of those weeks where the games you're playing, each one of them, you're like, this could really end up on my game of the year list at the end of the year. And you're just like, this is so lucky. Uh, the first one is Weird West, which uh, have seen um, some, some uh, a bit of divergent opinions around, um, but I am in love with this game. So this is mm. a, this is a uh, immersive sim, uh, sort of isometric Western with a very supernaturally eerie occult more occult i guess than supernatural i don't know what the difference between occult and supernatural is uh well, maybe I'm, a little darker maybe a little yeah, darker let's go let's go with that it's definitely occult then because in the first 10 seconds of this game uh you play uh you can play as five characters uh, there are five characters in total stories being told you don't get to pick the order in which you play them so you wake up and you're a bounty hunter <laughs> first 20 seconds of this game your uh son is shot and your husband is kidnapped to be eaten. And so you're instantly, there is a tone set um, uh, with this. And then you, you're, you're off to sort of like track down the people who stole your husband. Uh, and so this is from uh, a studio that is made up of a lot of ex-arcane devs. Uh, and the uh, studio head uh, actually used to be the uh, co-head co developer, co-director, I think, on Prey. Or maybe the director mm. on Prey. I should look that up. Um, yeah. And Prey is one of my favorite immersive sims. So uh, this has that sort of traveling through the West. Uh, everything that you do has an impact on everything else you do. Um, you have, uh, you sort of like looting weapons and getting gear and stuff to upgrade your your character. Uh, but meeting uh, people along the way, uh, named uh, characters, quest giver characters, everyone is vulnerable. You can kill anyone at any time and just completely ruin a quest chain or wow. branch a quest chain off and find a new thing. Um, 
the the game is uh, sort of it sort of has this hub system where there's this overworld map where you just move from sort of town to town, and then those maps are these small little areas in which you can sort of like uh, go to and 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 clear enemies and find treasure and all that sort of stuff. But I'm in I'm in love with this game. I think it is um, the vibe of it is so odd uh it has really great writing i think uh of, uh it really feels like like it kind of feels like uh the gunslinger meets uh i don't know some weird occultish uh horror film uh and that vibe really clicks with me um the gameplay is a little i think it's a little janky because it, what it feels like it feels like a game that is really ambitious but made by maybe 20% less people than you need to really flawlessly execute a game this ambitious. There's just some janky animation stuff, some frustrating control things, but it, none of that really deadens for me the kind of specialness of heading out into a world and going, I really am telling my own story. Every time I've talked to someone about like I, I, in fact, the example I'll give you is there's this area where you can go and uh, because you're trying to find your husband, uh, you talk to this guy who's like the mayor of this town and he has a piece of information, but he wants you to go kill this other family um, uh, to sort of like get rid of them and then he'll give you the piece of information that you need. And in that one area, which is a really small little map area, I uh, because there's this instant... Uh, very good quick save you can just experiment a ton and work your way through i went to kill that family and came back and got the information i uh killed him and stole the key to his safe and when i got that information myself i broke into his office and got and broke into the safe myself and got that piece of information there i explored somewhere else on the map and found someone else who would give me that piece of information i got arrested because i stole a potato i got arrested because i shot someone i delivered a love letter of one henchman to another henchman who they want to run away together but they feel trapped and so i helped their love blossom and they started a a, a ranch out in the weird west somewhere wow. uh, and all of these things happened in just this one time like this it's the tiniest little moment in this game had so many options there's probably like another four or five things where i could have burnt the house down and flooded it and all sorts of stuff so that immersive uh sorry um that sort of like um Emergent. Uh, emergent, thank you. Yeah. Gameplay uh, is just so beloved by me. And this this is ticking all those boxes. And it's on Game Pass. So, like, you already own it. I, I can't wait to give this one a, a try. I, it, it feels very much, the way you described that, feels like old school PC gaming. You know, mm. like the, the old PC RPGs that I grew up loving, which just gave you a, a just a wacky amount of freedom to do that kind of thing and had these little these little simulated worlds that you could just mess with and, and, and break in all sorts of fun ways. Mm. Uh, that sounds really, really cool. I, I love it. Yeah. Totally. It's been a blast. I've been it, recommending it to everyone. This was one of the ones that you were referencing as being a potential uh, favorite game of the year. Yes, totally. I, I, I really, I'm completely enamored with it. And I, and I, I think I like games. I, I'm really drawn to games who have that weird little jank where it just feels like they're, you know, they tried really hard to get there and they just didn't quite get there. But I'm, I will take that any day of the week over something that just feels like it's doing the same thing that everybody else is doing. So the jank just becomes, I, I feel seen by the jank. It's like there's a, <laughs> there's, a, there's a team of people out there who want to make a game for me. So I yeah. will excuse that. That's fine. Uh, that's awesome. So that's been a total blast. Um, now, again, that's Weird then, West. 
Yeah. And then the other thing that I've been playing, which I am obsessed with, uh, is a puzzle game. I'm playing it on Steam called Patrick's Parabox. And this, I got a code for this and I was like, sure, the name is awful. Uh, and I looked at it and I was like, okay, it's just this, you push around box thing. I'll give it a shot. I installed it. Four hours later, I'm still playing it. And then suddenly I start seeing GIFs all over the internet about from this game. Uh, the basic premise of this is it's a, it's just a very simplistic looking puzzle game where you push boxes around, you play as a box and then you nudge other boxes and move them around. And it's all about trying to get boxes just in little specified areas uh, that, you know, there's three little outlines on a map. You need to put a box in each one and then you finish the map. Uh, and We've seen that sort of stuff tons before in puzzle games, and that's how the game starts. And then after a couple of levels, you push a box that has that is a normal-sized box, but it's got a little hole in the side of it. And you push that box, and suddenly you slip inside that box. And it's like, hang on a second, I've boxed myself in this box. What am I supposed to do here? So now you realize, okay, I can go inside this, this little nook in this box, so I can sort of hide in this nook, and that's going to help me solve this little puzzle and then there's another box that's just this clear outline of a box but it's still clearly a box it's not like the outline on the map it's an outline but it is a box it's a vaporous box and you and you push against that box and you get sucked inside that entire box and now you're in a smaller box map with that box and the corners of your screen are now the big box that you were previously in pushing all the small boxes around. So now you're in a box in a box and the map is now the small box. And you take the big boxes from the map and push them into the small box like Kirby sucking something up. And now your new map is inside the small box. And then there's another box in that box that you push those boxes into and you've incepted into another level of boxes. And (laughs) all the outside is still exactly where it was. So if you have pushed up against a wall or something in the first map and you've gone into the boxes and you're in the quote second map, the wall to your right, you can't do anything with because the first box is pressed up against that wall. So you can't (laughs) escape out there. And this is like in the first hour of the game. I hit a level when I was playing yesterday where (laughs) I thought there was something wrong with my screen. It started playing and there's like the box. (laughs) I'm so sorry for the amount no, of time. No, this is box. amazing radio right now. This is um, amazing. There, there is a box, and then there's, an, there's another four or five little boxes in that box, and the camera starts zooming in into that box. And the camera has never moved before in this game in my entire life, except for when you get sucked into a box. And I was like, oh, it must be doing this like dramatic like reveal of more boxes in there. And it goes in but it never stops. And it's like when you're in an elevator and there's two mirrors and you just see a line of you, it just keeps pushing through and you're going through like just smaller and smaller versions of exactly the same puzzle. And you now need to start pushing these boxes around, but the camera does not stop moving. So at one point you're looking at the big map, but then the big map has gone out of your field of view and now you need to change your perspective to look at the little map, but the boxes are all still in the same position for the big map because it's the same goddamn box. It's just, it is wild. It is wild. It is so much fun. It's like 20 bucks. It's phenomenal. It's the best. And and I've got my playtime in Steam is 16 hours. I've actually played probably about eight hours, but it, because I just run it on my monitor up the top because I get stuck for a puzzle for an hour. I'm just looking at it. There's 
constantly warping box and I'm just like <laughs> trying to work and looking up at the slow zooming Inception box. Oh my God. I've never wanted to play a game based on a description more than I have right now. We've had four or five different guests come on and tell me different reasons as to why I should play Elden Ring. And I'm like, yeah, no, I really want to play it. And they're like, no, it's the greatest thing. Your last five minutes, I'm like, I have to play Patrick's Parabox. I must it is play this. So good. I it, like it is just it, it it I love puzzle games like this. Me um, too. The the closest comp, even though even though like this game, the game that I will compare to has no boxes, which I think is a huge flaw. Uh it, <laughs> the closest comp I can think of is um uh uh is I it, oh my goodness. Baba is you? What's, Baba is you. Thank you very yeah, much. That's what I was thinking. Which, I was like, this sounds like Baba is you, which I it, love it is the, that game. Yeah, you feel like you are. A, you kind of feel like you're a developer as you're playing it because you're you're breaking the way that you think you're breaking the way that the game wants right. you to work, but actually you're doing exactly what the game wants. Yeah. Um, and Baba is you. I mean, there was a difficulty spike halfway through the game where I just went like, I'm out. Respect. <laughs> you're incredible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, this this has but this has huge Bubba vibes, but it's box. It's box Bubba, and I can't recommend it enough. Ah, oh, man. There's an old, uh, years ago, there was an old, uh, <laughs> there was an old comedy sketch that my friends and I uh, latched onto and started quoting back and forth to each other with these puppets that came out of a box. It was a puppet that was born out of a box, and they was like, what is box? What is box? And anyway, so I have a feeling I'm going to be saying that when I play this game too. Uh, what is box? That, uh, that's been me for the past nine hours. Do you know what this would be great on? Steam Deck. Yeah, I know. Uh, it could be. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't think I didn't already uh, have that in my head. I'm literally downloading that as soon as we get done recording. I cannot wait to <laughs> yes. play this game. Yeah, I mean, it's a perfect Steam Deck game. It's, uh, yeah, it's just a phenomenal game. And you just go, like, I hope the guy who made it is called Patrick because uh, that's just, uh, <laughs> I, I, you, want, you want your name attached to a game this good. Patrick's and Parabox ch- is what it's called. Amazing. Chat says there's a free demo in Steam also. So you don't even need to take Nick's excellent word on it. You can try it out for free yourself. Um, you can try to describe this game to your friends as well. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait to play this. I am so excited. Uh, I I saw that actually on the sort of new and, but the the, the screenshots do not do this thing any any favors. You know, it's just it, it just looks look like, like a bunch of boxes. Because <laughs> that's what it is. What the hell is this game? It's just a bunch of boxes. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, but you don't get it. It's a it's a bunch of boxes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a it's just a bunch of boxes <laughs> oh man i'm so into this this is brilliant uh all right so you and i have also been playing uh, another uh sort of enigmatic uh indie game called norco mm. uh, i got a i got a text from a friend of the show and recent guest dan jevons who was like you have to play norco you, you have just trust me you have to play norco and I was like, okay. Uh, so I downloaded that. It's also a Game Pass, but I downloaded it on uh, on Steam so I could play it on my Steam Deck. Uh, what is your take on Norco, Nick? Uh, I love it. This is the third game in the sort of like, oh, this could be on a list at the end of the year. Um, uh, it's I've played I've played about two hours of it, um, and. But I actually, I, I actually really wanted to hear from you first because sure. I think to me this game feels. Um, I think it is phenomenal, and the closest comp I have in terms of the vibe I'm getting from it is Disco Elysium in terms yep. of just the writing style and the world building yep. through just text. Um, but it feels so 
um, uniquely American to me mm. in a in a way that I think is a, a real strength of it. But it feels like it's really speaking to a vibe in America around industry, which we don't necessarily have here. And so mm. I, yeah, I kind of wanted to hear from you uh, your feelings on it, and then I'll just talk a few sure. shit about it after. Yeah. So Norco is uh, a sort of a classic point and click adventure game uh, with pixel uh, sort of old school pixel graphics. Uh, but you are on static, mostly static uh, stages, you know, a location that is one big screen. And there are certain points that are active that you can either click on and look at or click on and use in some way or, or activate. Uh, there's dialogue. You can talk with other characters and choose different responses to the dialogue. Um, very much classic, you know, old school sort of Sierra, you know, King's Quest, Space Quest style point and click adventure game. But there is also this layer of crafting of the story and sort of an internal life for your character that is very much reminiscent of Disco Elysium in the sense that you have this mental map that you're also creating as you learn more things which kind of serves as a quest log, but also is its own kind of mini game where you're connecting the dots of the story and figuring it out what is happening by literally creating a um, like a flow chart or a, it's more like one of those maps in the movies that they use with the red yarn, you know, mm. connecting all the, the conspiracy theories on the, on the pegboard. It's the, it's the always sunny in Philadelphia Charlie yeah. meme. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, so that is, I, I think that's kind of the more unique element to what is very much a traditional point-and-click adventure. What is not traditional is the writing and the storytelling, which, as Nick was alluding to, is, is very sophisticated, is very dark, uh, is very, um, very evocative. Uh, it, it's written like a novel. It's written, it's very bleak. It takes place in the future. There's robots. Uh, there is a big oil company that's kind of destroying the world. And you're trying to figure out what happened to your mom and your brother and in your family. Your mom has passed away and they were kind of investigating this, this oil company. Um, but it is, I mean, it's noir, uh, sort of future noir, but not Blade Runner, right? We always think future noir and then mm. we go Blade Runner. This is much more um, sort of, it takes place in Louisiana. Uh, and it is very, it, it, even though it's the future, it's like pickup trucks and, you know, drugstores and you go into the drugstore and then there's like a, you know, a, a robot uh, tending the drugstore. So it's very future, but it's also rural and sort of grassrootsy. It has a, it's u a unique tone to it. Um, the, the writing is very flowery. It's, it's, almost, it's almost a bit overwritten to my taste. Mm -hmm. but you know very intentionally so it's like creating a mood you know it's it's overwritten in the way noir detective stories often are you know she walked into the room and her legs went up to the here you know that kind of it, it, it's it's everything is flowery and you oftentimes you can go to a bookshelf in the game and read books and the books are written in very flowery texts um but i i found myself really drawn into this world in a way i didn't expect because it is so different and so the the tone is so unique. It is very dark and very bleak. Everything, I mean, just to give an example, the kinds of dialogue choices that you have or the kinds of 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 
choices that you're given in any given situation often are not just sort of how you would respond. It's also crafting what kind of character you want to play. So they'll say something like, um, you know, you, you couldn't sleep through the night because, and then it'll say dot, dot, dot. And you'll choose like, you know, the lights were too bright or, um, I couldn't stop my beating heart or like, and, and, I'm just making these up, but it's it's no, that but kind there, of tone. There, there was that there was that one. It, it's almost the first one in the game where you live next to this industrial factory, and it and it's basically it talks about how you went to sleep each night, and all you could hear was that factory. And yeah. the two, and I thought it was brilliant. Like the two options are you never got a good night's sleep or you cannot sleep without hearing that noise. And I yeah. was like, that's so the thing. Like I, those are two such distinct people of like, I hate this thing or I am broken because I'm so dependent on this thing. And I was yeah. instantly just like, I love that so much. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You, you explained it much better than I. And and I find that a lot of the choices in the game are like that, are polar mm. opposites almost, mm. which mm. you don't usually find in games like that. They'll be sort of branching directions, but it'll be like you're saying, like either this was the worst thing or I need it. You know, it, it was, it, and a lot of the choices are completely the opposite of like that, of, of you know, like I can't stand that person or I, I'm in love with that person. I mean, those are terrible examples, but it, it, it but, really but, but like the that. in love, I still hate that I'm in love with them. There's never really a <laughs> right. good one. It's like I can't right. stand it, or I can't stand that I have to be with them. <laughs> yeah, but it, but it, but in the in the in the selection process, you're kind of crafting a persona as much as you are, mm. you know, selecting the next way forward. And I found that to be really compelling, and it it made me actually invest a lot more in those choices because I felt like I was. I felt like I was crafting the story more than a lot of those games allow you to. I yeah, I agree massively. And I think as well the the other difference is like it, it is a point and click adventure like you said, and I think a lot of the time we think of those games as being get these objects and solve the puzzles and how to combine it. And a lot of those games are about the plot and about the environment that like it, it, the physical objects around you that you need to figure out how these things go together. Uh, and this is way more about just like a vibe. Yeah. <laughs> like the plot yeah. is interesting, but it's way more about just setting a mood and setting a tone of a sad, lonely, but yeah. lovely. Yeah. This, it just, it's so evocative. And I think that, and I also love that like when you click on everything, I find, uh, you know, in games like, um, like uh life is strange i get frustrated when i go into a room and i click on a record player and they're like oh yeah that's my record player i used to love <laughs> listening to records on that record player it's like well, yeah duh uh, they're like why else is it there uh and <laughs> right. then uh, but but this game is everything you click on gives you something ephemeral about right the town that you're in or the 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 vibe of like the politics of the world right now which is which is what disco elysium does it just goes yeah. like nothing is the thing everything is representative of the pain um and <laughs> that and i'm 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 so into that vibe and i think it looks gorgeous as well yeah. um uh, which which is really good and there's also there's also some real absurdity i don't know if you did you pet the cat in yeah. the bookstore. Oh, yeah. I, I got past uh, a number of levels of petting the cat to where it yes. almost exploded. And I was like, oh, I want it to explode. And then I got to the point where like it was the the 
the Simon Says thing that you had to deal was yep. too intense for me, and I and it exploded. All right, it, it it scratched me. I mean, but so I I pet the cat, and that that happened to me first, and then I went, I need to know, and so I played it another three times, and I pet the cat so hard, and the woman standing behind the desk is like, can you please stop petting the cat? And then she gets more and more excited, and she goes, seriously, back away from the cat, and you do the last pat. <laughs> The cat vibrates violently and then shoots up into the air and bursts through the ceiling. Amazing. And, and then the ladies, the bookstore says there, it goes, um, did you just shoot my cat out of the ceiling? <laughs> and, and I'm like, I think I did. And then left behind is a cat-shaped phone case. And I'm like, what is this game? And then that was an object I could pick up and now I have in my inventory. And it's just like, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah, it, it, yeah the, like the first thing you do in this game is you get into a scare, staring contest with a stuffed monkey. It's yeah, like totally. that that's the game you're playing, man. It is it's yeah. bizarre and 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 kind of almost disturbing on a, on a number of levels, but but really compelling and nothing else like it. I mean, Disco Elysium is the only comparison. And I think anybody that's listening that liked Disco Elysium is going to like this game. It's it's like if it's like if um Disco Elysium and Life is Strange were boxes and you pushed the Life of Strange box into Disco Elysium uh, and that's, and then you have this game. I think we should the, the box metaphor needs to just be the only metaphor we use from now on. We live in a box-based economy now. It's boxes all the way down. Is uh, anyway, that is called Norco, N O R C O. It is also on Game Pass and on Steam. Uh, oh, another thing I wanted to point out, which I loved about it, which I don't know if I've ever seen in a point-and-click adventure game. You can correct me if if you guys know of one that does this. But um, at least on Steam Deck, there was a button I could push that literally would just highlight all of the points on the screen that could be clicked, which is great because a lot of those games, it involves just like scanning your cursor until you hit a, a, a the, the right pixel that will let you click on the thing. And in a lot of those old games, it was really just about hiding that point. That was the whole puzzle was that one pixel is hidden and you gotta <laughs> find it. This game is like, no, 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 no. Just push a button. We'll show you everything that's that's available to, to click if you want. And that's not that's not the, the hard part, you know? I, I you need, think we, some we of need you to remakes. experience all the pain of this game. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think some of the remakes of the Sierra games did add that as like accessibility or an option. Yeah. I, I could be wrong, but I, I, I think so. I think they brought that out in some of those old games again. That was nice. All right, Christian, uh, we've been talking enough. What, what, what do you got on your playlist? Well, the thing I want to talk about the same games as last week, but I want to spend more time talking about them specifically. I want to talk more about Kirby and the forgotten land because I talked about it some last week, and then some folks tweeted at me. So I want to say something, one thing up top. One, it is true. And the game starts. You cannot invert your controls. There is no invert in options uh, option. But two. Christian is to inverted controls as I am to ultra-wide monitors. <laughs> yes. If you're going to put me in a box, put me in the inverted control box. Um, two, do not let that stop you from getting this game. There are some flying levels and some other levels where you are then given the prompt in game. And I failed to mention this last time to invert for that section. And it, it, it doesn't detract from your gameplay in any way, shape or form. In the general going through the levels, you're not going to be needing to do vertical camera control. So if you are a live in that inverted box like I do, which is actually just 
constantly dumping you out because it is inverted. Um, you can't stay in it for very long. Get get this game. Kirby and the Forgotten Land, you know, if the year ended right now, depending on what day it was, like, was, am I having a good day or am I having a bad day where I need to feel pain? If I'm having a good day, I think Kirby and the Forgotten Land, I mean, there's a good chance it would be my favorite game of the year if if the year ended right now. Wow. What a weird, like, it's wow. April. We just started April and we're all, there's like games of the year every single week on this show. It's crazy. Crazy. It, it is absolutely unreal how many incredible games have come out already this year. And the reason I wanted to spend more time talking about Kirby and the Forgotten Land, I had hoped, well, not hoped, I'm not trying to rush through it, but I had thought I would have rolled credits on it already. Um, but then my kids got a hold of it and they can't put the game down either. And hearing them articulate their joy is incredible because it reinforces the joy that I'm feeling. You know, it's like the old um, kids say the darndest thing show or whatever. And it's like, kids just don't have that filter. And they see, they're like, that shirt looks stupid. And you're like, oh, it's my favorite shirt. Now I know <laughs> Society has agreed we don't say those things to each other. <laughs> right, right, right. But children don't have that that filter. And hearing them without that filter just like, squeal with glee and joy as they discover things and levels um, unfurl themselves in front of them really just reinforces that idea that I'm having of like, yes, this game is incredible and filled with so much imagination, joy, and wonder. Jeff, we talk about on this show a lot, like if uh, this game were called Mario, it would be a game of the year, whether it's Astro Bot or all these other Mm. numerous 3D or platforming games. Like if this had had been Mario or Nintendo, people would be saying it's game of the year. I know Kirby is made by Nintendo, but I think the same thing. Like to reinforce what I said last week, I think if this game were called Super Mario 3D World 2 or something like that, I think more people, also Elden Ring wasn't still sucking all of the air out of the room. Um, I think more people would be screaming from the mountaintop about this game and how incredible it is. It does the thing that only uh, it really feel like only Nintendo can seem to do where the way that each level is its own little onion. And just when you think they're done with creativity of those onions, they introduce something totally different that maybe only exists for one stage and is just such a joyous surprise of a mechanic or a thing that you do to then abandon it to then introduce something else later in a different level and another world, let different something. But it also has that classic Nintendo progression of, and what I was going through with my kids, it's like, all you air quote need to do is get to the end of the level. Like that's all you, you need to do and you can keep playing the game and you will see credits, but all of the things that you can do within each level are those Someone in chat, I think, said instead of an onion, it's a box within a box, right? Is uh, <laughs> is the next thing that you can do to find all the Waddle Ds. Or some of them, you don't even know what the, I don't want to say achievement, but the objective is in the level mm. unless you discover it organically in the level. Or then when you're done, it will reveal the question mark. Like if you kind of got close to it or started to do it, you're trying to hunt these things down. And it's just the 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 simplicity. That's the wrong word. The precision 
in the crafting of these little things, whether it's just the, the, the four steps you need to do to unlock the thing to get to the third Waddle D, or just discovering the first switch is joyous. And you're like, oh, it's, let me peek behind here and step on this. And oh, okay, well, this does something. Here we go. Giddy up. Let's, you know, you kind of follow that breadcrumb and you go along and then you see what it does is just a feeling of pure joy that I need <laughs> right now <laughs> and that I feel like a lot of games aren't trying to capture the same way. And uh, speaking of boxes again, in this game, Kirby inhales them. And if they're too big, he takes a terrifying shape of said box. Um, big mouth mode is fun and inventive. There's a, uh, I'll be very vague, but there's a, a world uh, probably in the middle of the game where it's like based around an amusement park that is just, full of all the wonder and joy that you would expect from visiting that kind of location in this type of game. Um, it's wonderful in co-op having now played some of it that way again, Jeff as well. Um, I, I think people are sitting on the sidelines on this game because of, you know, singing too many games and because of all these other excellent nine and 10 games and full throated. I cannot recommend Kirby and the forgotten land enough. It is such a treat and it looks so incredibly good on the switch, both in handheld and um, docked. I, I don't have an OLED, Nick. I cannot even imagine how gorgeous this would look on an OLED with all of the colors and, and what they do. But I, I think probably it was um, universe. Was that the last Mario? Whatever the Mario was. I'm trying to look through my, Odyssey. my switch. Boxes. Odyssey. Odyssey. Thank you. The names of those Odyssey. I think that was the last Nintendo game that I played that had this, that gave me this feeling of like joy, wonder and exploration. Mm. And I think what makes Kirby and the forgotten land so incredible in my eyes is the way they've handled it in that more air quote linear 3d world level design approach. But there are still such fun little trinkets uh, along the way. It's a, it's it's a must play. I know it's only April what third as we're recording this right now, but I feel better recommending it right now because it's not going to go on sale anyway. So you may <laughs> you may as well <laughs> yeah, just right. buy it. It's it is I, absolutely exquisite. You've sold uh, me, fellas. I'm 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 buying uh, Patrick's pair box, and uh, I'm going to get uh, Kirby for for my five year old. Uh, I think he's going to go bonkers for this. And there's I, an easy I, mode. Also, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Nick. No, I was just going to say, I'm exactly the same. Like, I think that my son, he's four, but he he's about to turn five. He will love this. And I think that, I think the, the difficulty for me, because I played the demo of this and I was like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, free it feels demo. A little, yeah. It feels a little light. It feels a little um, linear in like when you inhale the thing, there's really only one thing to do with the thing. And of course it was just a demo. Um, so the game could progress. But I, I think I need to keep reminding myself like it's some games you need some games for for kids to be able to play as well not to say it's a kid game but something that is accessible for younger people like if mario was like dark souls none of us would have been into gaming because <laughs> no true. one is no no kid would be like oh my god i love coming home and just getting spanked around by bowser <laughs> <laughs> like for the 14th time in a row uh it's like no the fact that you can play these games is the reason it ignited the passion in gaming but but now i'm an adult and i'm going why aren't nintendo just making games specifically for me it's like no because they're still trying to make everyone love video games so i think that my son is number one obsessed with pink 
That's the number one thing. So we've already go. got him with wow. Kirby. And then yeah. number two, uh, How- he likes to he likes to eat a lot of traffic cones. So I feel like this is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Waddle D playing co-op, I think would be a great way to play. Um, you know, if you think he's a little young to kind of play it solo. Mm. Um, and then I, I, I think Nick, to your point, it, and I, I didn't play the demo. I imagine it's the beginning part of the game, but it does very yeah, much just start that way. Much in the same way that I think Captain Toad's treasure tracker did when I first mm. played that game, I was like, I am not going on to another level until I get whatever, I forget what it was like five stars on this level. And at first I was just like cracking my knuckles and like, I'm, I know this is, this is clearly a kid's game, but also I'm God's gift gaming five stars <laughs> all the way. It's so easy. And then it's like, as you get to whatever it is, the third world or chunk of levels, it's like, yeah, okay. I finished that level. Uh, I got one star. That's fine. One star is fine. Nothing's wrong with one star. You know, yeah. I don't need to have five stars on all. And like Kirby and the forgotten land is very much the same thing where it's like the beginning levels in, in my playthrough. It's like, Oh, all the waddle D's duh. Why did this even a thing? Like I so easy. I got them all. And then as you get into the later levels, for instance, there'll be things where it's like you need to use this power up to do it. And so you can get that power up at the beginning to bring it in with you into the level, but you won't necessarily get it. So it's not expecting you to be able to run it through and get all the objectives, you know, the bonus objectives mm. on your first run through of a level. So it gives it that fun replayability and also the imagination of like, oh yeah, what would this be like with the upgraded sword and, you know, finding those things. And so it, it provides that um difficulty is not the right word it's not like a souls game at all but the Challenge. again i guess the joy of unwrapping a new present um to go <laughs> and replay big pink present yeah <laughs> there you go yeah all right Let's that is ahead. kirby and the forgotten lands and i don't need to spend as much time on the other thing but i'm still working my way through tiny tina's wonderland and it it remains a fantastic game so Jeff, i don't know if you have more that you'd want to say about it either, but it, 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 uh, it here's builds what, nicely. The humor is good. It, it, yeah. Here's I like what it. I want to say. What are you playing it on? PC. Let's play together. Well, we can cross play also. So it doesn't oh, that's matter. True. We can pl- cross play, but I'm on PC as well. Uh, so let's yeah. play, let's, let's play. So I, you know, now that dungeon runs done, I got some time. So, uh, you, got, <laughs> you need another dungeons and dragons game in your life. I do. Yeah. I'm going to be missing. I'm going to have, uh, withdrawals so i need to i need to i need to, let's play some tiny tina um i guess the thing i'll say about it real quick and we don't need to spend a lot of time on this i don't think i mentioned it last week it kind of blows my mind that when i'm playing it it's like oh yeah this is a borderlands you know game it has that look and that aesthetic i think it looks as better than any of them have um but remember how close this game these games were to looking nothing like this do you both remember like E3 2014 or whatever? Oh, and it was like dude. Borderlands and we, it just looked like sandpaper. Totally. My, yeah. my, uh, Alex and Dan and I talk about this all the time. Cause we had a, we had a demo of, uh, of Borderlands at E3 and we all walked out of that game going, boy, that game is really bland. Uh, at whatever year that was the first Borderlands. And, Cause they showed yeah. it and it didn't have any of the uh, cell shading. It didn't have any personality. It just was like this, yeah, and we and when the game came out, we we're like, "What is this?" They completely changed it, and like, yeah. and and it is amazing that uh, you know the first the first Borderlands was a great game as well. But I really think that if it if they hadn't done that, that we would not be having this game now. Like, I agree, it, it, it yeah. would not have take, taken off in the way that it did. It, it yeah. became an iconic style. True, yeah. true, yeah. Uh, and I think this is the best Borderlands as far as um, just 
that joy factor for me, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It, I think it just kind of doubles down on all that stuff, which is great. So Tiny Tina is great. Very funny side missions as well. Like I've found myself doing more of them than I normally would because one, it doesn't have that problem of you're doing the super serious quest because the whole thing is kind of BS. I think Will Annette commented on it once. He's like, you got to get me. But first, you might want to do these 10 things. And I was like, thank you, Will. Yeah. I, w- <laughs> I will it, do them. The, uh, I don't know if we just need to recalibrate what's good. Like everything is so good right now. All the mm. games are so good. Mm. I just don't. How do you even assign time to all of it? It's, it's a, an abundance of riches. And we are very fortunate yeah. as game hobbyists. Um, speaking of which, I want to mention two things. One will be the antithesis of that. And one is uh, a game that we've talked about on the show, but I want to bring up again, just in case anybody missed it, because like the other two fellas on this podcast right now, this feels like in another universe and another time, this could very well be a game of the year candidate for me. It's that addictive and good. And it's called Vampire Survivors. Yeah. It is uh, it is so good. <laughs> There's just a big update that came out last week, which made me play way more of it. I was on the plane. If I had known about Patrick's Parabox, I probably would have been playing that on the plane. But since mm-hmm. I didn't have that game, I was playing Vampire Survivors on my Steam Deck on the plane. And I love that game so much. I love that game so much. It is a game that is fiendishly simple in its intricacies, uh, as as Homer Simpson might say. Uh, it, it, it's just so, it's so simple. You, you have very little, uh, input, but you make really cool decisions and you feel OP and you're, even when I die, I just want to play it right away again and see if I can get farther and do more and use that roguelike, uh, those hooks to like get more coins to spend on a cooler thing. And it's just, it's a phenomenal game that you can buy for what? $2, $3, whatever it is. Yeah. And just got what three new characters yes. or something, like a huge. I was new playing yeah. as them, and they are so much fun. They change things up. Uh, you know, you v- Vampire Survivor to folks that don't know is a game where you just auto fire a variety of special attacks that you acquire as you level up. Leveling up requires you to kill bad guys and pick up little diamond shaped experience points that they leave behind, but. The game is constantly throwing hordes and hordes and hordes of enemies at you to the point where it just fills the screen with masses of bad guys. And you're just moving around trying to stay alive while all your uh, weapons shoot off of you automatically in various ways based on what you selected each time you leveled up. And you just see how far you can get. And it is completely addictive in a way that like Pac-Man was, you know? Mm. It's just... It's just pure video game joy uh, to me. And uh, I love it. It's Vampire Survivors. Again, another perfect, perfect Steam Deck game. Uh, I hope it comes out for Switch. I think they have a plan to have it come out for Switch because I think it'd be beautiful on Switch as well. Did um, you hear that, Nick? You dumb idiot. <laughs> perfect yeah, no. Steam Deck. Game. Your yeah. kid doesn't need to eat for two months. There you go. What sitting you- here like a... Idiot with my five thousand dollar PC in Australia. <laughs> just, what have I done with my life? Uh, the other game I wanted to bring up, which I forgot, I, but I'm glad to, Nick actually reminded me when, when you were talking. Um, I played a game that I Christian. This would be right in your wheelhouse. It's a retro game. 
Uh, I won't tell you the circumstances around which I played it, but I played a game that somehow I had never played before, which is the NES version of Predator. Is this a game you guys are familiar with? The Predator, no. the movie franchise, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. They made an NES game back in 1980-whatever. Googling, excuse my not paying attention. This has to be one of the worst video games ever <laughs> made. I genuinely do not understand how this was sold. Well, it, it's the era of Ness Nightmare on Elm Street and yeah. soon after Atari ET, right? It is exactly like, why licensed games got a bad rap is games like this one. First of all, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but it is worth talking about, guys. It is a side-scrolling adventure. It very much wants to be Contra. Mm, you start yeah. as a character, looks vaguely like Arnold Schwarzenegger. You have no weapons. It. You start with punching, which, A, not how Predator was. Like, they definitely nope. all had weapons at the beginning. But let's just set that aside, that it's not even remotely associated with the plot of the movie. Let's just talk about the fact you start the game as a little character and the first level, the first level, there are little snakes coming at you, bad guys coming at you, throwing knives. And there's two, two different platforms. This is the very beginning of the game. <laughs> you have no weapons. You can punch. You, you can fall down to this bottom platform where a grenade power-up is sitting. There's a gr giant grenade power-up. <laughs> <laughs> Just below you, you can fall down to that area, or you can jump over the hole and stay on that second platform. If you fall down and get the grenade power up, there is no way to get back up. <laughs> I feel like... so. One, I have multiple questions. One, and we are going to spend time on this. Sorry, Jeff. One, I wonder if that was a port problem because I think this was like a Commodore game or something because there is a, bring it back to the TMNT Cowabunga collection. I believe it is the DOS version of TMNT, the NES game, the one that, you know, the hard sewer level. I think it's the DOS version of that game has an unjumpable jump. <laughs> like when they ported it to PC, they shaved a pixel and you can't, you literally can't make it. So I wonder if that's this. Yeah. You go to you go to the right. There's a bad guy. By the way, all the bad guys run at you. And if there's a hole in the ground, they will just commit suicide and fall off that hole. Fall that through <laughs> that. The, the, best, the best technique to defeating the bad guys is just wait a second and have them fall to their death. Uh, and also, we know that if they go down the hole, there's no way they're going to be able to climb back out of that hole. So... <laughs> I spent so long with the grenades going, I've got the grenades. Is there something I can blow up? Is there a way to leap to the, there's no way to, you get, it's like the game just gives you the middle finger and goes, you want the grenades? Okay. You've got them. Now what? So, idiot. Yeah, it's, it just goes, <laughs> and this is what happens to greedy people. And then a pixelized Jesus comes up on screen, just wagging his finger. It's, that is wild. Unbelievable. I have a guess why you were playing this game, but I want to ask you, why were you playing this game? Mm. I don't know if and I'm it, allowed to say. I'll say okay, that. I'll stand by my guess then. Let me yeah. ask that question. Where were you playing this game? 
emulated? No, on a real yeah. NES, on a on a CRT television, a Toshiba uh, combination TV VCR player. Incredible. Yeah. 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 Uh, also, last point that I want to make on this, a game I did not play. It is wild to me how many of these games exist where, like, kid versions of rated r movies right like yeah oh yeah our parents weren't playing this game yeah. this game was oh definitely marketed it was it was for eight-year-olds yeah it yeah was for eight-year-olds of like not only that but some this game was probably 50 or 60 dollars i <laughs> a grown-ass man who plays lots of video games i could not get past level four Every person I was with said no one had gotten past level four. <laughs> I four levels. I mean, to in. be fair, there's a big hole in the first level, so level <laughs> four, right. You, right. you did pretty well. Four levels in, the farthest anyone had gotten. Four levels in, the only power up that anyone had seen were those original grenades. So Amazing. four levels playing as Arnold Schwarzenegger from Predator. All you had was punches or grenades that make you not be able to go any farther. <laughs> That's the game. I, it's it's got to be one of the worst games of all time. I love I love these because you know as you said the the idea of these games were for children. Also, so many of these games, these licensed games, because because there's so little you can do to make it look like the film. It just felt like there was a a, a game developer out there, and they were like, "We're going to make eighty games a year." Just put yeah. whatever you want in it. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Some green stuff, a dude with a singlet and a hole with no ladder. And then and then a, a movie studio goes, okay, we've got this film coming out. And then you just ho- show them all your games. It's like, if you squint, which one <laughs> yeah. of these games makes you think of your film the most? They're like, mm, that one. And then it's like, okay, cool. That's now the Predator video game well, yeah. officially licensed. We'll slap the Predator logo and a, a heavily pixelated version of Arnold Schwarzenegger on the title screen and done and done. Done and done. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Uh, so there you go. That uh, That's my review of predator for the nes a game i had never played and no one ever should um but i just i weep for the children who begged their parents to buy that as the one game for christmas got it and then or you know it's so awful and like i remember being a kid back then you didn't think oh this game is bad you just go i must be bad i must be i will keep playing it until my fingers bleed anyway uh, all right, uh, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. <laughs> we do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Nick Richardson, thank you so much for being here. It's always a blast. We got to do this way more often because you're a, 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 so much fun. Thank you for being here. Uh, just a delight, guys. It's. I mean, I have been listening. I know so much about your lives. <laughs> it's just creepy. <laughs> Uh, I've been listening to you guys for so many years, so it's just, it's always a joy to be able to be a a part of something that you love. Well, thank you. I appreciate, I appreciate the stalking. Uh, tell folks where they can follow you and your life and the awesome stuff that you're putting on the internet. Come stalk me, please. Where can I, yeah, where can I find you? (laughs) I'll tell you what, just very quickly, I did get a message from a friend of mine, uh, yesterday. She said, okay, I need to, I'm sending you something from my house, but the PR agency who sent it to her uh, needed it to be sent to me and she was like they just gave me your home address uh, and, <laughs> and, and 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 like 
luckily I'm okay. But if I was anyone else, like that is a weird thing. And I was like, yeah, that's a really strange thing that my home address is just being handed out. So what I'm saying is if you want to send something to me, uh, send it to... Go to the ESA's website. Go to the ESA's website. I want to add on that real quick. We 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 were like I said, we were traveling this week and got back, uh, got a bunch of ma- mail in the mailbox. Found it, opened it up. There was a a, a a letter that was clearly hand addressed, hand addressed to both me and my wife. Uh, opened it up, clearly handwritten letter mm. uh, from the Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, to my wife and myself uh, with our address talking about, uh, you know, inviting us to the church, et cetera. And I, I just thought like, I know the intended effect was a warm one, but it, it's super creepy that you're like hand addressing it to us, like referencing our home. You know, it's uh, that is, so I cannot believe you said that. I, I swear to God. That exact same thing happened to me and my partner a couple of weeks ago. We came home, there was a handwritten letter. And first of all, it's like, what? And it was from a Christian, whatever. And they were like, we live in the area that she signed. It's a full handwritten letter. Yeah. So you sat down and wrote and the, the yeah. signed at the bottom, her address, which is three suburbs over. It was addressed <laughs> to us with our street, blah, blah, blah. And we were looking at it going, this is insane. And then I, I, I sat it down and Beck just looked at it. And she was like, I don't want that in the house anymore. I'm like, why? And she goes, any handwritten letter is from a psychopath. I'm sorry, but it's just not how you do things well, you these just days. Feel, and I was like, it made me feel sad almost because you just I just in, in, envisioned like armies of people forced to write handwritten notes to strangers. minutes writing this out. Yeah. Like, and, anyway. and I burnt it because I was worried about the energy it brought into my house. <laughs> Smart. Smart. I'm going to do that. I'm gonna now I know I need to, uh, when I'm doing my get out the vote letters, I need to make them less personal than I have been because I know how they've been received where it's like, hey, David and Deborah, I too am a fan of the University of Tennessee volunteers. Remember in 2003 when we had that crazy upset win over <laughs> I hope right, you're enjoying that orange chicken you're eating right now. Uh, so uh, follow follow me. Uh, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, all the socials, Nick Boy, N-I-C-H-B-O-Y. Uh, but the, the, the main thing that I do is a show called Back Pocket, where the biggest gaming variety show in Australia. Uh, we're live on Twitch each Thursday night at 7 p.m. Uh, AEDT. Uh, but there's VODs on there. We basically put on like essentially a massive TV show PAX panel extravaganza every week. And it's a blast. So if you head to twitch.tv forward slash back underscore pocket, uh, you can uh, check out everything we do there. Very cool. Christian Spicer, what do you got going on this week? Well, because the people have asked, we have delivered, we have merch. Merch! We have the new logo. uh, New logo uh, that people can find again at dlcpod.creator.com dash spring.com there'll also be links and all the places where you find links but you can you can rock some comfy comfy clothes i said uh, there might be too many games but there's never too many t-shirts you know like yeah, you can never- yeah. <laughs> uh, this is uh, our new logo designed by Corey schmitz uh, also the, the old uh, album art is is available there as a shirt and a mug you know whatever whatever flavor of dlc you'd like to emblazon your person with we we got you covered literally yeah literally that yes literally uh so people can check that out and then other things i'm still i'm I'm gonna get it out this month but the newsletter i write a newsletter it's long form about games i love i reply to everybody i love it so much you can find it at tinyletter.com slash christian spicer 
And the thing that I'm writing about right now are side missions and open world games and what I think they can bring to the genre and how I think um, they've become a side mission in and of themselves <laughs> sometimes. So you can subscribe to that to make sure you get it in your email inbox uh, as soon as I send it out. And everything else is Twitter at Spicer, S-P-I-C-E-R. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Um, you can email us here, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Also, other shows that I am part of, including the Filmcast, uh, which is my movie and TV show, show review program. Uh, check that out. Lots of fun. Also, We Have Concerns, which is a comedy science show I do with Anthony Carboni. Good times, and you can learn something as well. We have concerns.com. Also, uh, the uh, fan controlled football. We're ramping up season two. I'm going to be there in Atlanta. It's going to be amazing. You can check that out twitch.tv slash FCF. And uh, I did the final episode of the Dungeon Run uh, last Wednesday that I'm going to be a part of. The show continues. They're going to do an entire season two with new characters, new setting, new DMs. But my story had 115 episodes. I'm extraordinarily proud of it. A beginning, middle, and end. One story. Didn't have side quests. It didn't have... uh, It was one story that we did. And I'm super proud of it. So uh, why not give it a shot? Check it out. I think you might enjoy it. Lots of folks have. Uh, You can still find it as a a, a YouTube uh, video. You can find it on YouTube by searching for The Dungeon Run. It works great as a sort of an audiobook-like audio podcast experience by searching for it uh, anywhere you get podcasts or by going to twitch.tv slash the dungeon run. All right. Uh, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gift. Nick, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? I do. Uh, God, it's on theme with the theme song to the segment. Uh, and this is also something probably specifically for Christian, uh, a fantastic book called Sell Out, the major label feeding frenzy that swept, swept punk, emo, and hardcore by Dan Ozzy. Uh, and it is a book that basically looks at, I think, 10 uh, sort of punk emo hardcore rock bands uh, from the late 90s through the 2000s and just – the take on it being this is about the the album that they they made moving from when they were independent to signing to a label and how that helped some of them how it crashed and burned other bands uh and some great like background stories on like uh you know bands like my chemical romance uh the um uh, being the big one uh, green day jawbreaker jimmy at world like these are some of my favorite bands of all time uh, uh at the drive-in and just like a look at one of the great hardcore uh like post-punk rock bands who just disintegrated so like a beautiful flower um yeah it's it beautifully written great insight and uh, a, a ton of fun to read so yeah Definitely worth checking out. Very cool. Christian Spicer, what about you? What's your parting gift? Yeah, I want to talk to you about something a little different, Jeff, when we go into our longer discussion. But when I saw Nick's, I had to I had to have this as mine. I do music a lot. Um, and it's Machine Gun Kelly's new album, Mainstream Sellout. Uh, Machine Gun Kelly cut his teeth and rose to fame as a rapper. And then his last album, I think came out in 2020, had this pop punk you know, backed by Travis Barker, like all the the hallmarks of like now I'm doing pop punk, but people gave him a really hard time about it. 
And this is kind of his now response to that, which is more pop punk. Um, and also now him calling out people saying, hey, you're calling this a phase, whatever, whatever, whatever. And it is a fascinating pop punk album. It's it's one of my favorite of this modern renaissance of pop punk because it combines classic pop punk riffs and drums with the newer, sad, Jaden black bear if i if you lump him into that newer emo uh pop punk resurgence um a little peep to some extent but like Mm. that type of lyrics like i am broken and probably addicted to way too many drugs but over the catchiest upstrums and hi-hats of like blink 182 um well worth the listen it is not family friendly but it's machine gun kelly's new album mainstream sellout We will be talking more about that and a lot of other stuff in our bonus show, the paid DLC bonus content that's exclusive to patrons over at patreon.com slash DLC pod. And one of the things we've been most requested to talk about, and I think actually this week, Christian and I are going to delve into it, uh, you know, pretty significantly is uh, being dads and being, uh, you know, how do we introduce games to our kids and what limits do we put on and that kind of stuff. So we're going to talk about that a lot this week on the uh, the bonus content. But my parting gift uh, very much has to do with being a dad. I My wife found these books. It's a whole collection of books called uh, A Little Spot of Emotion. And they have been lovely, lovely ways to have our kids kind of find ways to uh, name the feelings that they feel and have ways to cope with them. There's a whole uh, bunch of these books. You can buy them in a box set, which is what we did. But it's a little spot of uh, sadness, a little spot of anger, a little spot. But there's also positive ones, a little spot of joy, a little spot of uh, love, a little spot of peacefulness. And all of them sort of interconnect and reference each other. And they all have ways for little kids to uh, do little exercises to kind of calm themselves down if they're feeling intense emotions. I found them to be lovely and uh, our kids really like reading them. And I think they, they reinforce uh, the feelings, but they're actually great for adults too. I find the lessons and just the sort of exercises, these sort of Zen, not really Zen, Zen is too highfalutin a word, but this kind of meditative approach to if you're feeling an intense emotion, here's some things you can do to just, center yourself and get back to that peaceful state. Really, really cool, really approachable, great for kids. They're called the A Little Spot of Emotion. Uh, and you can find the box set on Amazon, which is what we did. But we'll be talking a lot more about sort of being dads in the next version of Paid DLC, which you can get as a patron, patreon.com slash pod. But we did get a, a listener-suggested parting gift. This was sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. It comes from Phil B., who describes himself as a Michigan DLCer for life, which is awesome. Thank you, Phil. Uh, Phil says, hey, y'all, first time, long time, yada, yada. Uh, I have to share a strange but incredibly engaging YouTube thing I have fallen in love with. Wristwatch restoration in particular my favorite channel is wristwatch revival which is on youtube Uh, you can search for wristwatch revival Uh, it's by a really excellent amateur restorer but professional announcer marshall sutcliffe 
Despite my complete lack of ability in this space and no prior interest, I find Marshall's videos incredibly engaging as he narrates his process and learning. Watching him tear the watches apart, clean them, replace broken parts, and put them back together is just beautiful. I can't stop watching. (laughs) You should check it out. I urge others to step past their preconceived notions about what it is and just go check out Wristwatch Revival for a zen and interesting experience. Love the show, love the new logo, and hype song. Keep putting good out into the world. Thanks, Phil. I mean, this is totally my jam. I mentioned last week I love uh, competence porn, you know, just people who are really Mm. good at something doing that thing and describing it. Oh, it's my jam. I love YouTube channels like this. So I'm definitely going to be checking out Wristwatch Revival. I'm watching it right now. I just subscribed (laughs) to the channel. He has... Uh, instead of wearing normal gloves, he just has gloves for the little ends of his fingers. He's just got little <laughs> oh, finger condoms, yeah. which he uses, and it is so adorable. And also, like he is the Dexter of watches because he's just slowly <laughs> taking apart, he's murdering his, those his watches. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I got, I'm in it for just for the fingers. You know, I'm just in it. Uh, amazing. Uh, thank you, Phil. If you'd like to have your parting gift on our show, send it to us. DLC feedback at gmail.com. All right. That's it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Nick Richardson and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star. Our theme song is by White Cube, which is Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. Thanks to each and every one of you for listening. And we also have to thank our top-tier patrons who get... Their name shouted at the end of this episode. I don't know if this is what they wanted, <laughs> but the Spice Man is here. What's up, babies? I got a call from my good friend who said that there was paternity that needed to be called out. So that's what I'm here to do. Paternity. Paternity. Or something like that. But that, I want to say thank you to these following people. First and foremost, not foremost, I mean, they're all equal, but this is the first one. I'm going to say it's Anthony Joyce, Anthony Goulash, Ben Flanagan, Seven, Adam Denbeat, Scooby Diesel, baby, Jonathan Delbert, Chris Zacharias, Will with one L, Harris, where's another L, Will? I can only say it one way, and that's what two L's. Maybe I'm saying it with one L this whole time. Jonathan Putney, Mark Gowland, Malcolm King, Dan Palmino, Lloyd Nance, Ben, Kevin Brazil, Stu Goss, Jonathan, the Spice Man, Forever Baby Schnapper. Oh man, that name was the best name I've read yet. Albert! Albert! For real, Daniels! Spice Man Silencer. I mean, my vocal cords probably appreciate that one, okay? But. Michael Barno! Michael Buck! He's back! The Spice Man's back, baby! Sledge! The one that I'm on, I'm already! Peter! Albert! Chad! Christian Riverwood! Octavian Rattio! 
wasted no bag, baby. Clifton Satterfield, Delaware, BS, where? Josh Peekaboo, baby. Nick Strauss Klein, Michael Stedler, Jensen, Travis, Soren Zick, Yick. I said yick, baby, yick, Zachary White, Nate, welcome to the thank yous. Now, you've been here before, Nate, but I just wanted to say that because it's like, welcome to the jungle, which I'm not allowed to say contractually, Jenny, Scott Hughes, Nilsa, the switch, bit, that's bit, not that bad word you thought about, I said bit. Awesome U.S. movies? Who doesn't love awesome U.S. movies? When the Academy Awards said the Academy Award for Best Foreign Film, I'm like, get out, baby! Jimmy Radcliffe, Mitchell Ness, Jeff Luxack, Matt Bradley, Bradley like baby, Victor Venezuela, Cheesy Bob, I love cheese. Put cheese on anything that makes it better, baby. Hank Patton, Rob Rixman. Riley Knox, Kyle Stark, thank you, baby. You're all my babies, baby. Okay, uh, I'm gonna get some water. All right, you survived that and you're still listening. <laughs> thank you for listening. We appreciate you. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world, make it a better place. <laughs>